0: Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing.
1: Okay, there's this new this new two-word phrase that is like skyrocketing in popularity in the American workforce. New phrase that is becoming like the current trend in the American workforce. This phrase I'm gonna give it to you. Maybe you've heard it. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting, if if you've heard that phrase before, just raise a quick hand. Like a couple people, all right, so uh, this was new to me. Uh, This is how one TikTok user defines quiet quitting. I recently learned about this term called quiet quitting where you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. There's no real hard definition out there of quiet quitting, but if you were to do a quick online search, you'd find things like people writing about setting boundaries, only doing what's assigned, not getting burned out, doing the bare minimum to keep your job, a commitment to not overworking. One employee said quiet quitting is allowing yourself to put other things before work without feeling bad about it. And we talk about it with our team. There are certainly are very healthy things about having the right workplace boundaries, workplace boundaries that allow you to prioritize faith and family. These are good things. But as I'm reading about quiet quitting, I'm thinking about Jennifer's late grandfather who once told me about living in Wisconsin uh, and it was a northern Midwest winter. Snow was in the forecast and the snow came and the snow came in such abundance that it closed the roads. And so grandpa got up early in the morning while it was still dark and frigid outside and walked several miles to work his manufacturing job so that he could put food on the table. Now, I'm trying to picture, this is a loving, kind, compassionate man, but I'm still trying to picture his face if you were to sit down and explain to him the concept of quiet quitting. This summer, we've been working our way through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae in the decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The letter is right there for us in our Bible. It's called Colossians, and I invite you to open up with me today to Colossians at the end of chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Great idea to bring your Bible with you to church and something to write a few notes on. Uh, if you can choose your version, we're reading out of the English Standard Version, ESV, ESV. What's interesting is that this letter, when it was written by Paul to the church in Colossae, it was uh, intended to be read out loud in the gathering of believers and discussed. So not all that different from what we are doing right now. Even though the letter was written with the intention of being read out loud to the group, what Paul writes about is very much about spiritual practices that the individual believers, you and me, live out with our Heavenly Father. So we're thankful that the Bible gives us great spiritual uh, application, and we're also thankful that the Bible gives us practical application. So we get to this great part of the letter near the end of chapter 3, and Paul writes about how living out spiritual practices impacts family and work. How spiritual practices impact family and work. Now, family and work. For most of us, this is where we will give most of our time in our life to our family and to our work. Sleep, work, family, work, repeat. Throw in there church and praying and exercise and hobbies and for some of us, way too much screen time. So two two weeks ago, we talked about family and how our spiritual pursuit impacts our family and we said that spiritual pursuits are not an excuse for neglecting your family like we can't say things like i'm just too busy getting close to god to care for my kids now today we're talking about work and something very similar is true our faith journey does not excuse us from work in fact god designed us for work we'll see that there are definitely there are definitely cultural differences between us now and the original audience, them then 2000 years ago. Yet, even though it's been 2000 years since this was written, there are some workplace struggles that today are not really all that different from the workplace struggles of 2000 years ago. So here we go, Colossians chapter three, we're gonna start today in verse 22. Bond servants, or your translation may say slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, so let's just say right up front, bond servants, slaves, masters, these are not terms that we use in the 2022 American workplace. And if your workplace uses phrases like masters and slaves, it's time to find a new workplace. Right away, we see that there is an immediate cultural difference between first century Roman Empire and the 2022 American workplace. So it's not an apples to apples comparison. However, let's not allow that to prevent us from seeing what God has as current workplace application for our work life today. There's great wisdom that you and I can bring to this that will make our work life more fulfilling. We can read through what we're going to see Paul writing to the letter to the people of of Colossae What he writes about the workplace, and it's important to know that what Paul challenges workers to live up to would have been more challenging for the first audience than this audience. Why? Because as a 2022 American worker, we have the freedom to leave our jobs. In fact, we just came out of, as we wrapped up the pandemic, and we believe we wrapped it up, right? As we have come out of that, one of the things that paralleled the pandemic was this other thing that was called the Great American Resignation. The Great American Resignation. About 33 million Americans left their jobs in 2021. 33 million Americans, and maybe you're one of them. You left your job for another job or you left the workforce altogether. The driving reasons for people leaving their work, the great resignation, low pay, no opportunity to advance, feeling disrespected, childcare challenges or lack of flexibility in work hours. Now, if you were to have a time machine and you were able to go back to first century Colossae and you were to describe to them a work environment where you had the freedom at your will to leave a job when you decided to, this would have blown their minds because this freedom did not exist at that time in world history. In ancient Rome, there were slave owners and the men were slave owners and They had total legal control over their slaves. Historians tell us there were some laws that, for example, it was against the law for a master to murder their slave. However, the laws were rarely enforced. In the eyes of the government, the slave was a non-person. They did not even have legal claim to their own children. Slaves were not citizens. They could not own property. They could not participate in government. Now, there were some slaves who were released by those who were their masters, but it's, and while it brought some freedom, there still was no citizenship. So, into that culture, this is not a history lesson. The reason I'm sharing this is, into that culture, Paul writes, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. It is so important to point out that Paul is not endorsing slavery. In fact, in the letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7.21, Paul tells slaves or bond servants, if you can gain your freedom, take the opportunity. For Paul, though, to come out and address the working class of the time with specific instructions, this did something right away. Paul was paying attention to people who others in culture were not paying attention to. And simply by writing to them, Paul adds value to their life. Paul gives them recognition in a society that otherwise did not give them much value. And also, Paul is writing to people, real people who are in a real church. And so for Paul to write to the working class of that time in history, what can we uh, see there? That the working class must have been in church. So the working class is part of the church community. And today, what we can see is that God values the life and work of every person. God values the life and work of every person. In a society that placed little value on the life of a slave, God, through Paul, gives the instructions, what you do. And the attitude that you do that work, it matters to God. So Paul does not endorse slavery, but he also does not promote a worker's revolt. What is Paul's approach, inspired by the Holy Spirit? He writes, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Try to please those you work for, and not just when they're watching you. With sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Serve them honestly. Focus on what they have asked you to do. And this is so important. Not because of who they are not because of who your employer is, but because of who God is. Bring your best because of who God is. Now, let's not overthink this for our context today. Because of who God is, do your best work with a great attitude, even when no one is watching. Now, I have not done a survey of the employers in the greater Salem area, but I am guessing that if we were to do a survey of those who employ others in our city, in our region. And if we were to ask questions, would you like those who work for you to do what you ask them to do? Or if we were to ask a question like, would you like the people who work for you, would you like them to do their work even when you're not watching them? Or if we were to ask a question, would you like the people who work for you to do their work with a great attitude? I bet that we would find. The business leaders christian or otherwise would say yes <laughs> yes and yes bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the lord for paul to write these things what can we assume about what was likely happening at this time in history for paul to write something like obey in everything those who are your earthly masters what was likely happening is that there was widespread disobedience or partial obedience in the work environment for paul to write the way of eye service is people pleasers what was likely happening is that there was widespread people doing their best when someone was watching them for better treatment for paul to write bring a sincerity of heart what was likely happening poor attitude or poor motivation some of these things although the years have passed the centuries have passed are really not all that different from some of the challenges that we face today there was a motivation challenge so now Paul gives us what was good then and is good now verses 23 and 24 whatever you do whatever you do work heartily As for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the Lord Christ here's your motivation very simply bring your best to your workplace as if you are serving the Lord and I know some of you are in high school or middle school or college bring your best to your schoolwork as if you're serving the Lord do you know, do you know it's possible that you are in a position that you once prayed for and you now complain about it? It's possible that you are struggling in a position that you once begged God to give you. Father, open the door for me to work at this, this organization. Father. Give me this promotion. When the door opens, put my resume above all the others. Father, get me out of this job. (laughs) What happens in that space? Are you praying, Lord, get me out of a job for a role that you once said, Lord, give me this job. It is certainly possible, of course, that God is going to open a door for you to move up and move out of whatever role you're in that you're struggling in right now. But, however, as long as you and I are in the place where we are assigned right now, if you believe that God placed you in your current position, doesn't it make sense that we would work as if unto him? Maybe it's a challenge. Paul's writing to real people in the real world. We're real people in the real world. And there are times when it is a challenge to get up and get in there and go after it. Working as for the Lord, is the remedy for lack of motivation and effort. If you're here today and you're thinking about your work environment, and you're thinking, "It really, there are days, I just can't do it," And maybe you're in a place where those days are far outnumbers the out number of the days when you feel motivated. If you're struggling with motivation with effort. This may be the reminder, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time, that cultivates motivation, cultivates effort. Work as for the Lord. Forbes, top workplace frustrations. Being treated as non-human is a top workplace frustration. Remember we said that the struggles of 2,000 years ago are in many ways not all that different from the struggles we face today today. And when asked for a survey, what is your top frustration? The top answer was that they feel like they are treated as a non-human. Maybe that's you today. Other frustrations, you don't feel like you have the tools, equipment, and training. You need to do your job well. The boss is an unqualified tyrant. (laughs) You feel like the managers are always lying to you. You don't trust those who lead you. Workplace politics and that phrase that... Perhaps you would say about your work today, you feel underpaid and overworked. Maybe you love your work. Praise God if that's you today. I hope you thank God, because there are many who are not in that place today. You feel valued and you feel understood. You have what you need to do your job well. The person who is your leader in your work environment is approachable, is motivating, is transparent, is understanding, and you feel that you are at least fairly and possibly even generously compensated. Wherever you are in that range today, here's the challenge that God gives us through Paul. Work as for the Lord. And then Paul makes a statement that would have been been tremendously meaningful to the original audience. He says, your inheritance comes from him. Your inheritance comes from him. This would have been such a big deal to the original audience because as a slave, you could not receive an inheritance. And so Paul says, you have an inheritance. And in fact, the inheritance that you have as a follower of Christ is actually better than anything that can come from your workplace benefits program. The inheritance that you have in the Lord is better than any matching program for your 401k. The inheritance that you have as a follower of Christ is the promise that when life this side of eternity ends, you will be in the presence of your heavenly father forever in a place that is uncorrupted by sin. So Paul says you have this inheritance. You have a hope for eternity in Jesus Christ. But again, Paul's writing to real people in a real time in history. And he says, he has to come back to this like a couple times in, these, in just a few sentences. Fearing the Lord. As for the Lord and not for men, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul to come back to these similar phases three times in just a few sentences, he's letting us know that this is much easier said than actually living out. What about those who cheat? What about those who abuse? What about employees or employers who manipulate, who deceive, and take advantage of others? What about businesses who prey on vulnerable workers and vulnerable employees? Paul gives us a promise in verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there's no partiality. Here we are in 2022, in so many ways, we've become so advanced as a society and as a culture. Yet, what is heartbreaking, what is gut-wrenching, what is, we'd just rather not even look over there, what is still real, not just in faraway places, but close to home, is that there is slavery that still exists today. And as uncomfortable as it may make it make us, some of that is very close to home sex trafficking an adult that is threatened manipulated or abused into sex acts to make money for somebody else child sex trafficking even worse children who are threatened manipulated abused into sex acts to make money for somebody else we also see illegal forms of domestic service this is where an employee usually from another country works for a private family but they are rarely paid, often abused, and often stripped of their passport and identification documents. Women who are stuck in domestic servitude, which really amounts to slavery, often endure physical and sexual abuse, feeling that they have no way out. There are children who are essentially recruited as soldiers. This happens in gangs in America, where children are recruited or coerced into illegal organizations And they cannot escape from them so it's important that we say clearly today there is no expectation that an adult or a child should be expected to do illegal work for wicked people you are never going to be asked to do illegal work for a wicked person as unto the lord Because the Bible also tells us that a responsibility that you and I have as a follower of Christ is to be a voice for the vulnerable. What do we see in the life of Jesus Christ? Those who were pushed to the sidelines of society, those who were told by culture that you have no value. Jesus did not walk away from those people. No, he walked in the direction of those people. He was a voice for the vulnerable. And I believe that this, I've said this in every service today, maybe this is just for one person. You are, this is not just theoretical, you are a, you are, you have become personally aware of a situation where someone is in an abusive work situation. They are in a situation where they are held in what amounts to modern day slavery. And it feels just easier to look in the other direction. It feels messy to get involved. It feels complicated to inject yourself in that situation. But God is calling you today to be a voice for the vulnerable. And God is challenging you to speak up. And he's telling you that the Holy Spirit is gonna be with you as you speak up and you intervene for the goodness of God, and help to lead them out of whatever situation that may be. So we can be thankful that for many of us, we have employment freedoms today, and we are also thankful that we can be bold in the Holy Spirit to help people if they are in an abusive work situation. So for some, this may speak to you, walk away, if your job demands that you act against god's ways some of you are in an environment where it is demanded of you required not not optional but it has become mandated of you that as a condition of coming to work that you act against god's ways in a way that is immoral that is in a way unbiblical i read about a person who was working in sales and was told This person, this man, his job was to answer the phones. And the objective of answering the phones was to get people to come into the showroom. And so when potential customers would call and ask, do you have this certain product available or that product, he was always told whether the product was in stock or not. He was told, you must tell the customer we have that product in stock. Lying to them often. Because the employer thought if they could come in even if they didn't have what the, the customer wanted, that they would be able to sell them another product. And this man wrote about how he could no longer do this, no longer tell bold-faced lies to potential customers about what products they had on their shelves. Or the woman who worked as a bartender who wrote this, I have put in my two weeks notice at the restaurant where I work as a bartender. I believe that God is calling me out of that restaurant to find work elsewhere. Working there has really drifted me away from God. I fell into drinking alcohol, making sarcastic and inappropriate jokes, gossiping, lusting, and I feel like a hypocrite when I try to talk about Christ as I'm serving liquor to guests that often leads them to intoxication. These are difficult times. Difficult moments when you come face to face with, does my faith conflict with my vocation? And sometimes it feels like we can't step out because where will we go? What will we do? What will we do if the only way that we've known how to earn a living comes in conflict with God? What happens if we step out? I know that there are stories that are part of our church family where you have taken a step away from a situation where you were demanded to do something in your workplace that was against your faith. And you stepped out saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to dishonor my relationship with God anymore in that way. And you've stepped out in faith. And what you have found is that even though you didn't know how it was all going to come together, you found that your heavenly father, who we know the promises that he is our provider. If you step out in faith away from something that is putting you at odds with God, God will honor that step of faith and will put you in a place where you can both earn a living and, and not dishonor God at the same time. So, up to this point, if you are uh, the owner, manager, supervisor, principal, uh, you are the employer, there's been a lot that you would, would be like, thankful that someone is preaching about, telling employees, do what you're asked to do, work even when you're not being watched, bring a great attitude. Well, now Paul is going to write to those who are in positions of workplace authority. And remember, Paul's writing to a real church at a real time in history. So for Paul to write to both the working class and those who are in workplace authority, what's exciting about that is that even in that messed up society 2,000 years ago, these people, even though they were on different ends of the social stratosphere, they're worshiping together. They're worshiping together. They're both in the community of God. And so Paul writes now, this is Colossians 4 verse 1, masters, masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. If we look at the last part of chapter 3 and into this first verse of chapter 4, this soul goes against the grain of culture at the time it was written. Because more people than not were considered property. Women, children, the workforce, all considered property rather than people. And so Paul, in this short paragraph, makes statements that would have been very controversial at the time. Because why? Paul elevates the value of women. Paul elevates the value of children. Paul elevates the value of the working class, and now he says, if you are going to lead people and be a follower of Christ, then you cannot treat people simply the way that culture approves. Paul says, you need to bring fairness. You need to treat your workers with honor. You need to be consistent with what is morally and ethically right, and you need to compensate your workers for what they have earned. So leaders are accountable to God for how they lead. Paul's description of the work environment all those years ago, something quite different than what, from what was culturally acceptable. Because of who God is, do your best work with a great attitude, even when no one's watching. And those who are in workplace authority, treat workers as people. Imagine that. Treat workers as people not property and what is the outcome what is the outcome aspire for a workplace where employees bring their best employers are fair and everyone puts God first this was rare then and it sure seems rare today Paul has written about how living out spiritual practices impacts family and work. Two weeks ago, we talked about family. Today, we talk about work. Family and work, where most of us will spend most of our time, the two areas where most of us will give most of our life. And there's been this theme throughout these instructions about family and work, and they all come back to putting the needs of others above your own. Wives, encourage your husbands to lead. Husbands, lead your family with a love that prioritizes what's best for your family above yourself. Children, obey your parents. Parents, bring compassion, kindness, forgiveness, and grace into your home. Workers, employees, work as if you are working for God. And the way you live that out is by honoring those who you serve under. And those of us, Who are privileged to have others who work on our teams through Paul God says you need to treat those who you have the privilege and responsibility to serve with fairness justly as people Paul could have wrote a letter to the Roman government maybe he did and it got lost somewhere Paul could have written a letter to the Roman government saying this is how we're gonna do this We're going to change the laws. We're going to demand workplace protections. We're going to demand that there be an elimination of these laws that place different values on different people. We're going to wipe those off the books and that's going to be our our campaign. Now, certainly there are examples in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament of where there are instructions written to those who have the responsibility to politically lead and we see that Paul had influence over political leaders. But this letter is not written to politicians. Who is the letter written to? It's written to the church. It's written to everyday people like you and like me. And the challenge, the challenge is that each of us has a responsibility. Husbands becoming better husbands. Fathers becoming better fathers. Wives and mothers becoming better mothers and wives. Children, employees, workers. So maybe it's Paul's vision. Maybe not just Paul's vision, but maybe it's not just Paul's vision. Maybe it's God's vision. Don't miss this that the way that culture would be transformed, the way that culture would be transformed, and some of you are here today, many of us would say we need our culture to move in a different direction. Maybe it's God's vision that culture will not change from the top down, but rather that culture will actually be changed, the most effective culture change will happen from the bottom up from the inside out, one husband, father at a time, one wife, mother at a time, one child at a time, one teenager at a time, one employee at a time, one employer at a time. And some of us, we hear that and it's like something twinges inside of us. Why? Because that means we have responsibility. And it would just be easier to complain about the decision-makers. But church, what would happen if every follower of Christ in a Bible-teaching, christ Center church in Salem were to live out these principles for family and work? What would happen? What would happen if just those of us who call people's church our church home would commit to living out these values in our home, in our workplace, in a greater way. What might happen? What might happen? Homes have the potential to be transformed one at a time. Workplaces transformed one at a time. Maybe you're saying, God, there's no other Christians in my workplace. Get me out of here. And what perhaps God is saying to you today is you're the re I have you there for that reason, because there's no other Christians there. And I believe that some of us are seeing that if we were to be the the first one to bring this attitude to our workplace, that it would be contagious in a good way. Why, why are you doing above the bare minimum? Why are you working with that great attitude, especially the way that we get treated here? Because I'm working as if unto the Lord. I'm working as if unto the Lord. And it, it's exciting what might happen if we change our workplaces one Workplace at a time. One division at a time. If you work for a larger workplace. One household at a time. If we start to string together enough one at a time, what might happen? We might just change the culture. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ centered, Bible teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to Peoples Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.